exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. And in today's topic, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the doctrine of Christ's descent. So the topic of our subject today, the title at least, is Understanding the Doctrine of Christ's Descent with Pastor Matt Duckett. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Pastor Matt. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a uh, it's a joy to be with you guys today. Yeah, and we're uh, grateful to talk with you, and uh, especially glad that uh, you have a very nice backdrop for this video recording. You can see all of your <laughs> nice books on the the recording, including your uh, VHS, at least on our far right, uh, your Hebrew Bible. So, yeah, right. thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to be talking, like I said, about uh, the doctrine of Christ's descent. I want to. Uh, preface to our audience by at least saying that I uh, haven't had the privilege to study this doctrine very much. It's one that I've wanted to. I know that uh, one of our previous interviewees, uh, Dr. Sam Rinehan, has written on this subject. Um, so th this podcast isn't necessarily a promotion of one view or another uh, on the doctrine of Christ's descent, but we're very interested to hear what you have to teach us in your uh, study and in your understanding of this doctrine. But before we jump into the content of uh, the doctrine of Christ's descent, you are, like I, I think I've mentioned, you're a first-time guest on our show. So uh, can you begin our conversation uh, by introducing yourself to our audience, uh, whatever you want to mention, including your upbringing, education, family, ministry? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, my name is Matt Duckett and uh, grew up in an SBC church, um, believed in, in who Jesus was, um, came to a saving faith in high school. And um, really after uh, that, that experience, I, I, I saw fruit uh, in my life for the first time of what, of, of what I really understood of, of Jesus. And uh, God called me to the ministry my junior year of high school on a mission trip um, in Nicaragua and, and surrender my life to the ministry and uh, just doing all I can to, to, to serve the Lord uh, in these days. I got all my, uh, my education from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, love, uh, love everybody up there and just uh, uh, I'm privileged for the opportunity I had uh, to, to be up there. I'm married to my uh, beautiful wife, Sarah. We have been married for just over five years now. Um, we have a little guy named Owen. He is uh, seven months old now, just a complete uh, bundle of joy as we get to watch him grow up and uh, pray one day he experiences uh, salvation. But uh, my current ministry context, I am serving as associate pastor of discipleship at Metro East Baptist Church in Wichita, Kansas, so kind of south, uh, southern Kansas. Uh, just an incredible uh, congregation here. Wonderful opportunity to teach them uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, how we can follow him uh, closer and closer uh, every day through the process of sanctification. Um, I have the also the privilege of serving with uh, Pastor Dewey Doval as well. So uh, if you have any questions of what it's like to work uh, with Pastor Dewey, uh, we'd love to uh, answer those with you. But really, it's just a joy uh, to be with you and excited to talk about this topic today. 
Amen, brother. Well, the joy is all mine uh, to be able to serve with you. By God's grace, we've been able to become uh, really close friends just in the two months now of, of me being here. And um, I, I want to give a shout out as well to Pastor Matt. Not only is he a man of good taste with uh, those beautiful books behind him, uh, but he's also a, a man of good taste with uh, podcasting uh, equipment. See, I, I had a, just a standard microphone for the longest time doing these podcasts. And if any of our listeners are currently watching the video version of this interview, you'll notice that my simple standard microphone has received a substantial upgrade. So uh, that's Pastor Matt's work here. Uh, maybe uh, if I spend enough time around him, I'll grow in, in my uh, sophistication and my taste as well. So uh, Matt, brother, you're a huge blessing to me, dear friend, and so grateful to be able to talk today about the doctrine of Christ's descent. Um, just in a nutshell, as we transition into that subject, which is going to comprise the bulk of our time together today. Would you be, start maybe by defining this doctrine? What do we mean by the doctrine of Christ's descent? Um, and maybe even identify some common misconceptions about this doctrine or any competing views about this doctrine that you think would be relevant by way of introduction. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Really, when we think about the doctrine of the descent, if we were, if we were going to pull uh, our, a congregation, it, it really any congregation, ask them, hey, what what do you think the doctrine of the descent means? Um, it would be a confused doctrine, right? We would get lots of, of competing ideas of uh, misconceptions like you talked about earlier. Um, so I think at the, at the most simple term, if we boiled it down, the doctrine of Christ's descent holds that after Jesus died on the cross, that he experienced death as all humans do, and one day when, if the Lord tarries, we will as well. But what we have to be careful of is that we don't separate uh, the divine nature and Christ's human nature, right? So while his body was uh, in the grave, we believe that his human soul uh, went down to the place of the dead. And part of what is being confessed in this doctrine is that Christ really did experience death as all humans do meaning he didn't die on the cross and then 30 seconds later he was resurrected up into the right hand of the Father. So this is really where we see uh, Christ's human nature, that when we confess that God or that Jesus is fully God and fully man, this is where we see it um, played out as just one picture in Scripture. But we also know that he is fully divine, right? He is fully human, but he's also fully designed. So with a divine, within the hyperstatic union, uh, his descent was not just a descent into the place of the dead, but it was a victory cry that his that his death defeated death. Right? We learn about this in First Peter three eighteen, Revelation one eighteen, that what Jesus did in the place of the dead was a victory cry that he has won, that he has defeated death. He holds the keys to the kingdom. So that is the the the. The definition at its most simple uh, term that we can, the doctrine of Christ's descent is that he died a death that all humans do. And as his human soul went to the place of the dead, he he preached victory and righteousness to all all uh, in, in the place of the dead. And we'll be able to break this apart uh, here in a few moments. But to address your second question of some of the misconceptions, as we talked about, that because the doctrine of descent is... Um, neglected to some degree. It is also, uh, we have seen many misconceptions arise from that. The first misconception really is that when Christ descended into the place of the dead, 
uh, there are some that believe he went into the unrighteous department, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but when he went there, he suffered in hell. Often this, this view, this misconception is, is uh, rejected because what we believe is that Jesus being fully God and fully man, he cannot suffer, right? He will, he will not suffer. So how can Jesus uh, go to the place of the unrighteous dead and suffer? So people reject this and then they reject the whole entire doctrine with it, uh, which we know uh, is not, uh, not a benefit to, to the church. But we know that if, if Jesus did suffer, then we have a lot of Christological and Trinitarian issues on our hands. So we have to be careful uh, with that. He was not tormented uh, in hell. Jesus did not go to the place of the dead to be tormented, but rather it was uh, Jesus went to the righteous place of the dead. We'll see it in Luke uh, chapter 19 that he went to paradise uh, or Abraham's bosom is also a, a common reference for it in Luke uh, 23. So within the, the place of the dead, there are two departments. There are the, uh, the or compartments, excuse me. There are the place of the righteous dead, paradise, Abraham's bosom. Then there are the place of the unrighteous dead where they are uh, in torment. So that's really the, the first misconception is that when Jesus descended into the place of the dead, he, he was suffering in hell. But there is also um, another misconception that has arose um, about the seventh century um, and you still see it uh, predominantly in the Eastern Orthodox view. And that is uh, that when Christ went to uh, the place of the dead, when he de descended, they would believe something like this, that as he knocked down the gates of hell, he opened up uh, the, the, the gates for anybody to, to receive him. This sounds a lot like purgatory, right? It is a holding place, uh, which we know is... Uh, it's really Roman Catholicism, essentially. So what they would believe is that when Jesus, he, he preached victory, not just to the righteous dead that were in paradise, but he also preached victory and, and a gospel salvation message to those in hell and offered for anybody to, uh, to come over and, and they can run into paradise, which we know uh, is also uh, a misconception here because uh, we see nowhere in scripture is there a, uh, an opportunity for a second chance. Um, so that is kind of the Eastern Orthodox view, which um, is inclusive, but it also um, it falls in line with universalism as well, which we need to be uh, very careful with. They wouldn't uh, they wouldn't profess that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't admit to that, but it, it certainly it goes right up to the line uh, of universalism. So that's really the second uh, misconception. There's really one more. Um, that we that we look at, and that's Roman Catholicism. Their view, um, as we talked about briefly, of purgatory, um, they would say, as Christ descended into uh, the place of the dead, that he inaugurated purgatory. Uh, that he was, um, this was the launch of it. He unlocked the door for everyone to enter into this uh, waiting room, essentially. Which we also know that that biblically we don't uh, we don't really have evidence for. Um, so even as evangelicals, we need to be careful. We need to push um, against this. We know that the doctrine of Christ's descent has been uh, difficult, uh, to a topic that has been difficult to wrap our heads around for centuries. We've seen it throughout church history. Um, even some of the reformers, uh, like John Calvin, um, he, he got the, the descent confused, right? What Calvin believed was when the phrase, he descended to the dead, he, he connected that to the cross, 
So he said Christ didn't really descend into the lower parts of the earth. He didn't descend. Uh, he, what, what the author is talking about here is simply what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So it's so, so we got to be so careful with how we handle uh, this, this doctrine. Even, even today, as there's resources abounding, uh, we need to be careful about how we think about these things. And if we're honest, many of us have heard um, Sunday school teachers. We've heard pastors. We've heard um, people that we trust in, in ministry and in life share about Christ's descent. And, and while they mean well, they say something like this, Christ descended the place of the dead so that he can give a second chance to those that we love, so that he can give a second chance to people that didn't hear about the, the, the gospel when they were here on earth. So we need to be careful as we, as we think about this doctrine. There's the misconceptions abound. Um, we can't just Google something and, and take it at face value. What we do with any doctrine is we have to test it uh, with, with Scripture, right? We want every doctrine, and it should be, biblical, and that's how we, uh, that's how we align it. Um, because this has been so uh, difficult to understand through the years, uh, this doctrine has become neglected, uh, but I think it's time uh, that we, we look at it in light of Scripture um, and, and see the truth of Christ revealed through his descent. Hopefully yeah, I'm that I think. Uh, oh, did you have more to say? No, no, no. I was just saying hopefully that helps answer uh, some of those questions. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, and uh, I think that's starting to clarify uh, where you're coming from in, in your articulation of this uh, doctrine. And you began to uh, transition us there by telling us that you are calling us to think about this doctrine scripturally. So uh, when thinking about this doctrine against the backdrop of scripture, what are some key biblical texts that support uh, the doctrine of Christ's descent? Can you explain uh, some text to us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a fantastic question. I think one of the, the first arguments that we see against the doctrine of Christ's descent um, is that it's not biblical. Though while there are certain texts that, that allude to the descent, they would say that um, Christ's descent is not um, a biblical doctrine. Faithful, faithful brothers um, that, that simply don't believe it in Scripture. Um, so that's really one of the arguments that we see. But we need to be careful with how we argue um, against doctrine because we believe that doctrine should be biblical, as we said. Um, so we need to understand what the, what the passage is saying. And, and when we think about the biblical evidence for the doctrine of descent, it's important that we don't, uh, don't let the doctrine rise or fall on any singular text. Right? We're not trying to do eisegesis here. We're trying to do exegesis in our passage of, of figuring out what, uh, what the doctrine of, the, of Christ's descent really means. As we talked about, this, this common place of the dead uh, was referred to as Sheol or, or Hades. And it was believed, as we talked about, to be divided up into two or three separate parts. We have Abraham's bosom. Uh, that is in Luke chapter nine, excuse me, Luke chapter sixteen, verses nineteen uh, through thirty-one. This is the rich man and Lazarus. Or we also see that the the place of the righteous dead is called paradise, which you can see in Luke chapter uh, twenty-three. And then Gehenna, or some instances even uh, Hades, once again is for the unrighteous dead uh, that we also see in the rich man and Lazarus, and then Tartarus for uh, the imprisoned, uh, rebellious angels or spirits. However. Uh, you want to interpret that. We can see that in Jude 6, um, and then also in 1 Peter 
chapter 3. So that's kind of some biblical evidence for the place of the dead. Uh, This is not uh, a man-made idea of Christ descending to the place of the dead, but rather uh, a biblical doctrine. If we look uh, at Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through, through 28, uh, we know that Peter is preaching here, and he is um, he is quoting Psalm 16, uh, verses 8 through 11, uh, which I want to read just real quickly. He says, uh, the psalmist says this, David says this, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy, holy one see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. We see that in, in this passage that Peter is uh, Peter's preaching this message at Pentecost, and he says that, that God raised him up, speaking of Jesus, and he loosened the pangs of death, which is what we believe that Jesus did as he was uh, proclaiming victory in the place of the righteous dead. Another A common scripture that we can turn to is found in uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, starting really around verse 40, where uh, Jesus makes the connection to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, we know that as Jonah's in the whale, or in the fish, he prays to Yahweh for deliverance from the depths of the ocean. And then as Jesus, or as God spits him out from the, the fish and he rescued him, we see that Jonah prays again and he thanks God. He thanks Yahweh for saving him from the ocean's depths. And as we look at the original language here in both of these prayers, what Jonah is describing is his rescue from Sheol, from the abyss, from the place of the dead. And Jesus connects that back in Matthew uh, chapter 12. And we, we have that connection of the place of the dead um, with, with Jonah. Another common passage is Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 6 through 7. And he says this, but for the righteous based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. We also know from Ephesians 4, chapter uh, Ephesians 4, verses 8 through 9, allude to the descent and well as well. Verse 9 says, and saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the into the lower regions, the earth, right? How, how, what does it mean that he descended into the place of the dead? And then obviously one of the most um, prominent passages that people will turn to to argue for, but also against uh, Christ's descent is, is 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 18, uh, says this, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put for, being put to death in the flesh, but alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. So obviously a controversial um, verse there that has many competing um, views, but that is those are just a few of the passages that we can turn to to understand uh, Christ's descent just a little bit more more clearly and see really the rich biblical warrant that it has uh, for, for this doctrine. Thank you so much, brother, for sharing uh, just an abundance of scripture. Uh, and I love how you have a heart to ensure that the understanding of this doctrine is ultimately not rooted in a creed or in church history, but it's ultimately rooted in scripture, though creeds and church history can provide us with insight 
as to how we can understand biblical doctrine. At the end of the day, we've got to go to scripture to formulate our convictions as the ultimate standard for faith and practice. So thank you so much, uh, Pastor Matt, for stressing that in your answer. And really, it sets the table nicely for uh, where I want to go uh, in our next question. I just mentioned literally in passing about creeds and and councils and, and church history. Maybe in addition to what you've already said, and you've, you've certainly given us a lot to think about uh, looking at this doctrine through the lens of Scripture, how would you say that this doctrine of Christ's descent has been confessed and understood by believers throughout church history? And maybe note uh, any significant creeds or, or councils or controversies that uh, our listeners should be aware of as, as we think through this doctrine, not just biblically, but now historically and theologically. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when we think about church history, what we, what we need to think about is, is uh, for those that confess Christ's descent, in, in, in order for it to be biblical, right? We believe that Jesus descended in the place of the dead, the, the righteous dead, right? Paradise, Abraham's bosom, um, and that he also preached victory, Right. So for it to be biblical, it has to do those two things. And uh, and as we as we look at the backdrop of church history, what we see really from even first century is that that is what they believed. They believed that Jesus descended in the lower parts of the earth and the place of the dead, that he uh, he went there for the righteous dead. He went there to preach victory. He released the Old Testament saints. We're able to see this really from uh, even from Justin Martyr to Augustine through through the church fathers. We see that that the early church really did believe that Christ descended to the dead. Right? They didn't believe that he he went to to hell to, and suffered, but he believed that he went to the righteous part of the earth, uh, the unright excuse me to the righteous part of the dead, and he preached victory uh, to those that were with him. We talked about uh, earlier about the Roman Catholicism view. We talked about the Eastern Orthodox view. Those rose up really throughout the medieval period, the, the Eastern Orthodox view did. Um, but what, what we see throughout church history, really throughout the 7th century, is, is the church fathers affirming Jesus's human soul departing to the place of the righteous dead. Um and then right around the 7th century, we have this heresy arise, Apollinarianism. And essentially what this, doc, or what this heresy means is that they believe that Jesus, when he became incarnate here on earth, he took, the, he took the, the human body, but he did not take a human soul. Okay, I mean, I see the problem with that. Then he would be, uh, he, he took a human body, but not a human soul. So really what the, what the descent of Christ did is it came alongside that um, and it became a massive help in, in helping fight this heresy because we believe that Jesus uh, was fully God, fully man, and because of that he took his human soul to the place of the dead. So to fight this heresy throughout the 7th century, uh, the church fathers took these uh, key biblical texts that we talked about, Christ uh, descending to the lower parts of the earth, and they used that to fight um, Apollinarianism, which we know is uh, is a heresy. So really what we see uh, is the church fathers affirming throughout church history um, what uh, what the doctrine of the descent is. Obviously, there, there are some uh, faithful brothers that have uh, taken some uh, misconceptions along the way. We talked about Calvin believing that he didn't really descend to the dead, that he simply uh, completed that work on the cross. 
Um, there are some others that uh, we may not have time for, but um, but as a whole, as a whole church, the church history fathers believed believed in Christ's descent being biblical. Yeah, this uh, this has been helpful thus far. We've talked about um, some scriptural passages where this doctrine can be formulated from. We've talked about um, how this doctrine has been understood in light of the progress of dogma or in light of church history. And you have even uh, alluded to there being differing interpretations, including uh, Calvin's understanding of this. Uh, But for those who are seeking to obtain a better understanding of Christ's descent into Hades, what what resources would you recommend uh, that they get a hold of to further study? Uh, What has been helpful to you in your study of this doctrine? Yeah, absolutely. And thankfully, um, throughout the, you know, the last uh, few years, we've seen a a kind of a a resurgence of uh, Christ's descent. Really, the Roman Catholics have have dominated uh, the literature throughout the years for it. But but thankfully, we're starting to see more faithful, biblical uh, resources that that can be used. Uh, Dr. Matthew Emerson wrote an incredible book. Uh, He descended to the dead. I can't recommend that more highly. Um, Justin Bass, he wrote his dissertation on Revelation 1.18, what it means that Christ holds the keys uh, to Hades. He, it turned into a book that you can that you can certainly find uh, just about anywhere books are sold. Um, he does a really good job of tracing uh, the church fathers and how they uh, translated and uh, and dealt with the, the key biblical passages through the descent. So that's an incredible resource as well. And then as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Sam Renahan has also written a book on the descent, which is incredible as well. Um, so those three are really, really the main resources um, that I've that I've interacted with, that I've enjoyed, um, and couldn't couldn't recommend them uh, more highly. So those are those are just three three areas to look at. Obviously, um, I would encourage you that as we looked at at all those passages, as we skimmed through them quickly, uh, to 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 really study those passages more in depthly. Uh, no, don't just read them and pass them over. But as we think about doctrine being biblical, uh, we need to get into the Bible uh, to understand them. So as you do uh, think about this doctrine, hopefully it's kind of stirs uh, in your mind to understand more, um, but certainly uh, start in scripture and, and see what God has uh, in these passages for you. Amen. Well, if you want to have a library as beautiful as Pastor Matt Duckett, get those books. Can't, uh, recommend them enough. They've been a huge blessing to, to me as well. Uh, Pastor Matt, it's been a delight having you on today to talk about the doctrine of Christ's descent. I know you've given me and Austin, and I'm sure many of our listeners, a lot to think about up to this point. As we transition now into our last question and bring our conversation to a close, do you have any final encouragements related to the doctrine of Christ's descent that you want to leave our listeners with? Maybe thinking pastorally, we do have many pastors who listen to this podcast regularly. We have many seminarians that do as well. I'm thinking about how, as a pastor, we can make specific applications in our Christian life uh, or take encouragement from this doctrine in our spiritual journey. Um, what would you point people to uh, on some of those themes? Yeah, that's a good question. If we if we believe that all doctrine is biblical, and that means we believe that it can be uh, applied to us, right? There's there's encouragement there found uh, within the the words of Scripture. 
I think one of the, the, the strongest applications, the strongest encouragement that we can have when thinking through Christ's descent is the comfort that Jesus is who he says he is. It is who Je- Jesus is, who he says he is. And I think that, that we often over, overlook that. But Jesus, being fully God and fully human, he experienced death, as all humans do. And his body uh, went to the grave. His soul went to the place of the dead. And Jesus experienced that. So as we're dealing with people, with family members that have lost loved ones, when we're dealing with people that are struggling in their hurts, We can turn to passages like in Hebrews where it says we have a high priest who intercedes for us, who knows everything that we've been going through, has walked through it. We have that hope in Jesus, that he's been through it, that he's walked through it, that he he knows what we're experiencing. We have a high priest that cares for us. We have hope because we have an advocate who has experienced the pain of death the pain of the cross and, and also descending into the lower parts of the earth. But he, he didn't do it in the same way we did because when he went to the place of the dead, he preached victory. And that victory is the same victory we have in Jesus. So there's great comfort knowing that Jesus is fully God, fully man, experience death as we will. And what greater comfort is, is there than knowing that when the storms or uh, the, the storms of life rage, when life seems to just knock us down, that we have a Savior who's experienced exactly what we're going through. What a joy it is to to serve a God, to serve a Savior who doesn't just stand in in an ivory tower and look down at us, but we have have a high priest who intercedes for us, who, who, who experiences or has experienced what we experience. That is where we find our hope. That is where we find our joy. When everything seems to be going wrong, we can lean into Jesus knowing that he understands. So I think that's, that is uh, one of the biggest uh, personal applications that I have, I have received uh, thinking through Christ's descent, knowing that uh, he, he has gone before us. He has gone before us and we, we can rest in the fact that he will take us. He, he will not take us places that he has not gone before. So hopefully that is helpful. Uh, that certainly has been an application in my own life. Uh, something that, that when the storms of, of my life seem to be raging, I can rest in the, in this, uh, in this biblical truth. Mm. Very well said. And uh, to our listeners, of course, um, if this is new to you, just want to highly recommend that you just embrace this doctrine with an open mind. Obviously, there's different views within um, broader Christendom, uh, but definitely give this doctrine some attention. It's it's pastoral, it's biblical, it's theological, it's worthy of reflection. And Matt, we're so grateful for your um, your time coming on today to give us much to think about in regard to the doctrine of Christ's descent. We wish you all the best in your future studies on this subject. And of course, uh, in your studies alongside me at uh, Metro East Baptist Church, couldn't be any more thankful to be here with you and look forward to seeing how the Lord continues to work in you and your family's lives moving forward. Yeah, it's been an absolute joy being with you guys today. Thank you uh, for having me on and I pray that God uh, keeps us faithful in our, in our ministries. Amen. Amen. And to our listeners, as always, we want to thank you for your continued support of the Covenant Podcast. Until next time, we wish you grace and peace. God bless.